You're listening to to the Show We Go Baseball podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into episode 27 of To the Show We Go featuring Ed Hand and myself, Andrew Parker. Uh, today's episode, we have our fourth member of the Woo Sox on this year. So if you're into that content, we've had Nick Sogard, Brendan Nail, and we've had Chase Shugart on in previous episodes. So definitely go check those out. But today's episode, we have the People's Catcher. I don't know. People actually don't call you that, but um, <laughs> we, we have uh, actually the Woo Sox catcher, Stephen Scott, on today. Now, Stephen, I know you're in Cali right now, but how has the offseason been treating you? Uh, it's been great, you know, been able to uh, travel a little bit. I got to spend some time up in Tahoe before it started getting really cold up there. Um, I was told it was called shoulder season. So spent a little bit of shoulder season in uh, Tahoe, did some hiking, played some golf, um, and then came back down to Southern California and Los Angeles for the off season. And, uh, you know, starting to pick up some workout, some workout stuff and, and work back into some baseball things slowly. So Why do they loving the weather out season? here because uh, it's the summer. The summer is a really popular time to be out there on the lake. And then the winter is really popular to go skiing um, uh, in the fall. I guess it is not quite a not quite as popular of a time. Interesting. I, I feel like I've heard that term out here, though. I feel like people call it I've heard. Boston people say shoulder season. And I was, I grew up in the Midwest, so I've never really heard that term before because it's usually hot until probably like November out in uh, Missouri. So growing up in North Carolina, uh, October is pretty good time to be up in the mountains. So you're escaping the, the, the heat in the middle of the, in the middle of the state. And it's nice, nice and cool up there. Yeah, so what what are you doing in California? Do you do you still have do you still live in North Carolina generally? Do you do you move out to the West Coast? My parents still live in North Carolina, so I'll visit them for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, I, I moved out to Los Angeles with my girlfriend and uh, have, was out here for last off season and and out here for this one as well. Gotcha. So I, I have I, I have to ask about this. It's the most important question I think I'm going to be asking anybody all off season. Can you tell me about the meatball gang, the origin story <laughs> of the meatball gang? Uh, the the origin, the origin story, um, it's it's probably not quite as built up as, you know, the, the myth or the legend. Um, the origin story is, is simply that uh, Joe Davis and I live together in the 2020 season or 2021 season uh, after COVID. And we actually lived together in Joe's travel trailer. And we were in a RV park, not far from the, the Salem field. And then once we got called up, not far from uh, Greenville as well. So, you know, living together, we spent a lot of time together. You, you tend to get on each other's nerves a little bit. You tend to, you know, mess around with each other and, you know, both being stockier guys, we referred to each other as meatballs. And then, you know, once once we started hitting a little bit, we uh, we got the reputation as the meatball gang. And from there, the the myth kind of took off a lot a lot further than the origin story. 
Yeah, there are a couple of other parts of it that I'm just I just want to know whether or not these things are true or false. Uh, so sure. you guys would make you guys would host uh, cookouts once a week. Yes, uh, Joe is a phenomenal cook. If you ever get the the pleasure of of being able to eat some of his food, you you will enjoy it. I can guarantee you that. Um, so Joe uh, had a grill and would would you know go to Sam's Club, go to the grocery store, and get sometimes it was steaks. We he did a brisket one time. You know, uh, occasionally it was chicken, but you know whatever we could find that we could grill, we would host a host a few guys over on Mondays, the off days, and just hang out. Now, did you guys share a bunk, like a, a bunk bed in the in the trailer? No. So the way that the the trailer was oriented was up at the front near where the tongue is. Uh, there was a queen bed. That's where Joe slept, and then at the back. Uh, there was uh, bunk beds. And so I, I slept on one of the bunk beds, but didn't have to have Joe above me or below me. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes a little bit more sense. Cause like you were saying, these are, these are some big, strong, burly men here. That would be, that would be tough to fit both of you in a bunk bed. That I feel like would have created some logistical issues. Um, so we, it I was had, tight I, enough quarters as it was. <laughs> I got to uh, talk to Chris Murphy, the pitcher, a little bit last year, and he he didn't say it, but he implied that he was the third member of the meatball gang. Is this is this accurate? Uh, yes, yes and no. Um, obviously, Chris is 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 not quite the build of the <laughs> of the meatball gang. So, um, but yes, Murph was uh, Murph was one of our close friends, and um, so he. Yeah, we'll give him an honorary status. Who was was Chase Shugard one? Because he mentioned coming over there sometimes and uh, hanging out with you guys. Shugard was a frequent uh, member to come to come enjoy Joe's cooking, but he he was not a member of the of the meatball gang. No, <laughs> I will say it's already been mentioned on. I would probably what three. I, I mean, I know that Shug Sogard even mentioned it, and I know. Uh, and I think Brendan Nail even mentioned it going over there to eat. So I feel like you guys were feeding everybody out there back in the day. So um, I thought it was you too. Yeah, like, are you saying that you, you goal, weren't cooking at all? The goal, was, the goal was to get as many people over there as we could. Um, I, I would help Joe, uh, you know, and, and most of that help was, was standing around the grill, just, just handing him things that he needed. Um, but sous chef, that's a good sous chef. Yeah, yeah. I, I would call it a sous chef more so than, than doing a whole lot myself. Well, How, I, uh, oh, I have I have one more question about all oh, this. This isn't this isn't this a is true your Super Bowl, man. So this is just how how did this conversation even happen? Like, hey man, you want to live in my trailer with me? Like how how did this go down? Uh that's a great question. So the original plan was actually, and, and this is probably where uh, Chris Murphy was alluding to, the original plan was in the 2020 season. Uh, this is when Greenville was uh, low A. And the original plan was that Joe, Chris Murphy, and I were all going to live in the trailer. And this is prior to uh, the, the teams providing housing for us. So we were totally right. on our own to find housing for the season. and. Um, you know, Joe kind of in the off season called us up and said, guys, I got a travel trailer and it's going to be a, it's going to be a lot cheaper for us to live in this than any, 
any apartment or house that we're going to find. And, you know, we kind of all knew that it was going to be tight quarters and it, it was definitely a good thing that there was only two of us in there having, having a third would have been, would have been too much, but, um, so, you know, it, it really just stemmed from the fact that, uh, housing wasn't provided and, and we were, we had to fend for ourselves and find that. And the, the travel trailer gave us a way to be flexible with that as well in case somebody got called up or, or in the best case, we both got called up pretty close to each other. So what was the housing situation like when you were at Vanderbilt? We spent all four years on, on campus housing. Okay. So you just, but like when you traveled, like what would they, uh, like where would they put you up for that? Yes. They, they would put us up in, in hotels, but that, that was typically just for the weekends or, you know, some, some close, uh, midweek, midweek series. Gotcha. All right, Steven, I'm going to, I'm going to shift the focus here to this past season. You, you had a pretty good season. I would say, uh, you, you earned a promotion to triple a, um, you came up, you hit a three run Homer every time you were at the plate. Um, three run bombs. Yeah, it was nuts. Um, so I guess in just now that you're kind of in the off season and you're taking a step back, like how would you kind of describe how your year went? You know, it, it, it was surreal um, to to start out in, in Portland and, you know, braving the cold. Uh, it's definitely tough, you know. It, so but to, to be with that group of guys and we really had something something special at the beginning of the year. And, and uh, I think at the time that I left, we were still in first place and, you know, had, felt like we had a really good season going on. Um, and then to, to earn that promotion in, in June uh and and come up and and kind of find out what triple a is like in, in my first taste you know to come into a situation where there where there's guys like nico goodrum and, and daniel palka um you know bobby dalbeck guys that have been up in in the major leagues and, and had you know multiple years of experience in some cases up there uh and then you know just trying to learn as much as you can from those guys and you know i, I really felt lucky that you know, they, they had such a great locker room up in Worcester when I got there that they really made me feel welcome and, and allowed me to be myself. Oh, I was going to do a follow-up on that uh, before we shoot over to yours, Ed, but um, you, you kind of mentioned a couple of the veterans there um, that were in the locker room because I, I noticed it was a, you know, and I've asked a couple guys as well. I've asked like Suge and Nail and a few other guys. It's like, you know, at the beginning of the year, there was it was obviously veteran heavy, which you had the good drums and the Greg Allens and the Alfaros and guys like that. And then towards the end of the year, is a lot of the guys that came up from Portland. Um, so I guess for you being a catcher, what was it like to be able to bounce ideas off of a guy like Caleb Hamilton and even Ronaldo Hernandez uh, whenever you did get to AAA? Yeah, I, I think that that was crucial for my my development defensively this year um, to be able to to be able to watch both of those guys you know, uh, to work with them every day, to, to be able to have Caleb really be like a coach and, and also at the same time, you know, both of those guys would, would help out and drill work every single day. So, you know, giving me tips, giving me tricks, you know, just saying, Hey, why don't you try this out? Why don't you angle this way? Why don't you think about, you know, this thing and just, just trying to find the best, the best thing for me and, you know, being able to work with those guys and, you know, both of them being uh, older in the system and, you know, Hammy obviously 
uh, being up in the big leagues, you know, both with us and with the twins, you know, that, that experience was crucial for me. Now, catching is something that was a little bit later for you being full-time. You didn't do it at all in 2019. Obviously, 2020 didn't happen. And then 2021 came around, and you did it a little bit. I think it was like uh, 18, 18 starts there. But then between 2021 and 2022, they kind of decided to make you a full-time catcher. What what happened there that they, they made that decision? And... Um, how much of that was you was your own desire to play catcher versus a need for the team? It was both. Um, it, it was definitely definitely a both situation. Um, I was drafted, and you know, I'm not I'm not technically sure what I was drafted as. There were conversations before the draft happened that uh, talked about catching. Um, obviously, I had not caught. I think I caught two games in my senior year. At Vanderbilt, but I had caught uh, a, quite a few games in my junior year when the area scout Danny Watkins had seen me then as well. So he, I think he, you know, started that that path uh, to to a full time catching spot, and then working in the 2019 off season as as a catcher, and then you know, not I didn't know what to expect going into 2020 and 2021. Um, whether I would be in a full-time catching role or if it would be a utility role and utilities kind of always been one of one of the perks that I've that I've had and something that I've tried to maintain throughout my career so I, I was definitely you know pro on that and then after the 21 season you know sitting down with uh, Brian Abraham and, and having that conversation of you know do you want to become a full-time catcher? And, and my answer was a resounding yes. You know, that I think that that's my home. And I think that that's, you know, where, where I believe that I can play. I, uh, I'm going to shift focus here. I, it would, I think I talked to you about this during the season. Um, cause you had the luxury of having the locker that was right to the right of the door as soon as you walk in. So I think it just came with the territory that I would just, you know, you would always be the first guy there. But, um, I, I need to ask you about, about your month of July. Like it was absolutely insane. Every single time you were at the plate, you were getting on base. I, I just looked back at the numbers just to like a double check. Like you had an on base percentage over 400. Like it was, you were getting on base almost every single time you were at the plate. So what was clicking for you in July? No, I, I think that just rhythm, um, you know, I, I felt like I was in a good place going into the all-star break and just trying to do my best to, to keep that rhythm going. Um, it, you know, it definitely makes it a, a lot easier to do your job when, you know, we, when we had an offense like we did. And at that time, our offense was really clicking. And so, you know, they say hitting's contagious. And I, and I really think that I benefited from that uh, throughout my entire time in AAA. Does your approach change at all when you have two runners on base? Because it just seemed like you were – it just seemed like any time there were two guys on, you were hitting it over everything. No, I, you know, just just try to stay as simple as possible. Um, you know, I, I, like, I like to walk up and just tell myself that bat on the ball, you know. See the ball, hit the ball. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of other thoughts that go on and, and, and situationally, but, you know, at the end of the day, as simple as possible for me. I want to mention a couple of stats just because I find this pretty interesting. 
But in 2021, your numbers got a lot better when you got promoted from Salem to Greenville. And then in 2022, your numbers got much better when you got promoted from high A to double A. And then 2023, it, it wasn't uh, a tremendous drastic improvement, except for you hit a lot more home runs when you got called up to AAA. So is there some reason that whenever you get a promotion, you just go, you just kind of go rip shit? Like, what's what's going on there? No, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I've noticed the same thing um, over the past couple of years, but um, I'm not sure that there's there's correlation or causation right there. Um, you know, I, I think that part of it is just, you know, getting a fresh start and, and, and trying to fit into a new team. So we're getting to the point of this show here where I, uh, I like to ask, especially the guys in Worcester, uh, cause you guys had the luxury of playing for a, one of the best managers that's in uh, minor league baseball, I would say in Chad Tracy. Um, so I, I guess I just wanted to get your thoughts on what, what it was like for you and obviously even uh, playing for Epi down in double A as well as I've heard nothing but great things about him. Um, so I guess, what was your, um, I guess your thoughts of playing for a guy like Tracy and Montville and Getty and uh, just being around and even Paul Abbott, just being around those guys this past year. Yeah, I felt, I felt really lucky uh, this whole year. Um, and, and in terms of staff, you know, playing, playing and starting out in Portland under Epi and, and working with Mickey Zhang every day, you know, the, that, that staff felt incredible to me. And then, you know, stepping up to, to triple a and not really knowing anybody outside of Getty and Montville coming in, um, had briefly worked with Tracy and, and some catching drills, but not, not enough to really know his personality or for him to know my personality. And, you know, it, it just felt like a seamless transition. Um, they they really welcomed me, and you know, you, you see how they approach every single day uh, from the coaching side, and, and you know, it, it it makes you want to work and get better. Now, did Trace give you any pointers on? Uh, I, I remember getting there early a few times, and I would see him out there. And I think it may have been Palka. It could have been also Crook when he was, you know, kind of messing around with first base a little bit did he give you any tips on playing first base and or anything like that uh that, that was a little bit more uh flow jose flores uh okay you know he they they worked with me a lot you know kind of the the crash course i'll call it um they, on my on my drive from portland to worcester trace called me and said hey i know you've played first base in the past i know it's been a little while do you think you can play tonight and i said absolutely um <laughs> You know, to, to say that there wasn't a little bit of nerves before that game for me, I, I'd be lying. Um, but, you know, they they worked with me a lot to, to get me to the point where I felt comfortable over there. And there there were a few growing pains in there with a couple errors, a throwing error and a, and a couple fielding errors here or there. But, you know, they, they worked with me a lot. Ed, uh, what do you? I feel like uh, you you're smirking right now. So yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about uh, the AFL season uh, just uh, just came to a close, I believe, or it's coming to a close today. It's reaching the end of it. You got to do that in 2022, and you got to um, you got to participate in the home run derby there, if I'm not mistaken. How uh, how does one prepare for a home run derby? And there, I've seen the idea thrown around that instead of extra innings, 
um, a tie game and the ninth inning is determined by a home run derby. How do you feel about that idea? <laughs> well, the first thing that crossed into my mind when you mentioned that is I know uh, Joe Davis would kill to be in that situation. Um, so, you know, I, I think, I think about some of the, some of the BP rounds that I would, I would hit with him and, and we would kind of unofficially, you know, hit, hit each other on the shoulder and be like this round home run derby. And, you know, I, I think that that's about as much preparation as I've ever had for a home run derby. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I've been in a couple in my life, um, dating back to Cape Cod League. And, but, you know, I, I think you just try to lift the ball a little bit and, and let your swing play. Can it mess up your swing at all after that? Because I've heard that that happens sometimes with major leaders. I remember, it must have been over a decade ago, but Bobby Abreu, I believe won a home run derby or did really well in it. And then after that, just his power was just shot for the season. Does it ever affect it afterwards for you? I, I did my best to believe in out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, now, how do you, how do you feel about that though? Just to decide games. I, I think it would be fun. Um, I, I'm not sure that it's ever, ever a, a, a practical thing that, that they'll bring in, but, but you never know. Um, I think that it, it would be a lot of fun and I, I think the guys would really get into it. Um, so, you know, it, it might even, you know, change, change the roster a little bit. If you, if you need somebody to, to come in and put on a show to win yeah, a game. Create that, uh, I mean, there were, speaking of putting on a show, there was that Greenville team must in, uh, I think that was 2022. That, there was some serious pop on that between you, Joe, uh, Nico uh, Cavadas was there. Nick Northcutt, who who hit the right. longest home run on that team? Joe Davis, for sure. I, I mean, it, I, I I don't know if you know much about the Greenville field, but at, the hotel, you know, Greenville Greenville has the monster with the uh, apartments behind it, and there's a bar yeah. up on up on top of uh, that. And we, I saw Joe put a couple up over that bar, you know, it, it was special. That's cool. That's uh, that was just such a fun team to follow. Yeah. Yeah. That, it was such a fun team and, you know, to, to be able to move up with some of those guys and, and watch the success that some of those guys that have moved on have had it, it you know, it, it really is a special team. So did you ever this past year in Worcester, um, I felt like at times the ball was absolutely just, flying out of there like it on like i don't even every time dalbeck would get in the box i felt like there was one going um off the scoreboard that it kind of uh were you there for that that home run that uh dalbeck hit off the scoreboard and left i think that was later not off the scoreboard i was there i was there when he hit the the one off the train okay Um, awesome well actually i was told that he did that multiple times so i was there for one of the times that he hit the ball off the train. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so did you have ever get the the mindset? Because I even on media day this past year, I know you weren't up there yet, but I remember they went to go do BP afterward and Palka was hitting ones like, I don't even know where it landed. It had to have gone like at least two streets <laughs> over the Worcester wall. It was insane the way he was hitting. I'm, I'm um, sure, yeah. Did it kind of give you that like, I need like, not one up these guys, but like I need to show these guys that I can, you know, I got some some power in the tank as well. 
you know, it, it might've even been the opposite. I, you know, I, I watch guys like Polka and Bob and, and hit, hit balls like that. And I, I'm just not even sure if I have that, that kind of juice, you know, that that's something special. Um, you know, I think, I think the first week that I, I was with Worcester, or the first full week we were down in Norfolk and, you know, Bob hits a ball like 110 backside and clears everything. And, you know, that, that, that was kind of the first indication that, you know, that I was, I was witnessing something special. Uh, now you mentioned at the very beginning of this, that you were going to be starting up some baseball uh, related activities. What are your off season plans looking like right now? Um, I'm, I'm actually about to go home for a little bit uh, before Thanksgiving and spend some time with family. Um, during that, I, I won't really do do too much baseball stuff. But like I said, I, I kind of like to start slow. I started hitting off the tee and, and doing some flips, um, started throwing, you know, not not to bases or anything, just, you know, 90 feet, get the get the arm moving again, get get some cracks out. Um, and then um, that starts slow and work up. So you know, probably come December, start working off a machine and, and getting some catching drills going. And then um, once the pitchers start picking up, uh, become a hot commodity and uh, catch a lot of bullpens. Do you do any bullpens with the with the big league guys right now, or is it more like the triple A, double A? I'll catch anybody that comes around. So um, last year, last year, I caught a couple big league guys over the offseason uh, here and there and you know, quite a few minor league guys that are working out around here. He's uh, he's in the streets of LA right now, so I and, and uh, you can never uh, predict what's about to happen in the background. So we'll give him a couple uh, a couple seconds to let that. Okay, I think he's good. I think um, I think we're clear. Yeah, we were good okay. for a long time. <laughs> no, no, you're good, man. It's uh, it's unpredictable. I I I, I bet so. All right, we're getting to the point of the show where I I have some uh, some one offs here, and we're just gonna we're gonna dive on in because I'm excited because I've asked this question to every single guy that's been on the show, and people obviously have been from all over the country in the Red Sox system. We've had a few guys from outside the Sox system, so I'm just gonna. I'm going to give it to you because I have faith that you're going to be on a good side, uh, right side of history here. So uh, my first question here is what would be your go-to fried chicken fast food place? That's a, that's a loaded question. Um, it, I, I would ask what, uh, if you would constitute like Hattie B's in Nashville as a, as a, you know, fast food fried chicken. Does it have multiple locations within Nashville? Yes. Outside of Nashville, I'm not not so sure. Oh man, and this looks like this look, This is it says restaurant chain right here when you Google it. So I would say yes. Well, we let Chicken Express. We let that be an answer, and that's like a Texas thing. So maybe I would say I'm, I would say after that, I grew up on KFC. Wow. That's our first that KFC, first KFC answer KFC. so far, which, which is which is a, is a good answer. I, I I don't have an issue with KFC, but I've I I am I tote the line of Chick Fil A. Parker has uh, something very different that I think he's trying you know, to get sponsorship I, from. I I love Chick Fil A. I I really really love Chick Fil A. But in my mind, when you said fried chicken, I picture a 
a bucket of fried chicken. So I don't, <laughs> you know I, don't what? Picture I, don't a, I don't picture a chicken sandwich. I, I picture a bucket of, of fried chicken in my head. That's KFC. Are you familiar with or, the first car or Bojangles? Bojangles oh, is also very high on my list. I love Bojangles. So are you might, familiar with the curse of the, of the Colonel? I'm not. It's a it's like a Japanese curse for the for uh, for the league there that just got broken this year. And this is just super paraphrased, but I guess the, a team won the the Japanese championship, and there was like a KFC statue of like the Colonel, and they threw it into the into the water. And the team did not win a World Series after that. I guess until this year. Wow. I had no idea about wow. that. Um, yeah, right, it's, so it's insane. <laughs> I will say, I what I was expecting out of you was, um, I saw you, obviously a North Carolina guy, so uh, Bojangles is obviously out that way. So uh, Bojangles yep. is yep. very underrated. Um, Zaxby's was the correct answer, followed by Kane's, and then I'll let you go anywhere else from there. But it's okay. We'll let no. it slide. Yeah, yeah, I, I do love Zaxby's and, and Canes. Um, you know, I, I just don't don't have quite the history of uh, going there as I do of Bojangles and KFC. So it's fair. It's fair. I, I, I know uh, Zaxby's claim to fame is they're in every SEC town. Like I, I remember because I was always curious why there was two in Columbia, Missouri. And I'm like, why? Like, so it's like the farthest north and all the rest of them are kind of like down in the south. So I'm kind of like, why are you here? And they just said, oh, we're at every SEC school. So um, definitely love Zaxby's and hopefully they uh, promote one day. All right. So I have another question for you. You're a Carolina guy. We've had a, a different Carolina guy on before, Brendan Nail, and he said this to us. And I, I was definitely curious about it after I did, did a little more digging into this. He said there is a, a barbecue rivalry in the state of Carolina. Like, so what is the difference, I guess, between like, he said like Western was like some is like a different type based as the other side. Like I, I need to know more so about there, this. Uh, I would, I think he's referring to mustard based versus vinegar based. Okay. That, I think so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I never remember which is which uh, in terms of Western or Western or Eastern, but. Um, I, I, am kind of on the fence, you know, I, I, I like vinegar based. I, the, I, I really can, can go either way. Okay. I was curious because uh, he seemed like it was like a pretty big rivalry there. And I was kind of like, I've never even heard of that before. I've obviously heard of like Carolina barbecue. Like I think everybody has, I guess, but I guess I Raleigh's know. a little more central. Maybe, maybe we're, uh, we're not quite. East enough to to be Eastern and West enough to be Western. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's a Western Carolina guy anyway. So um, that makes more sense. Um, all right. So I had another question here. Um, did you, so after you left Worcester to end the year, like, did you end up, I guess, uh, you didn't drive all the way out to California, I'm assuming. Uh, no, I, I drove to North Carolina, uh, spent about a week there, and then flew out to, to California. Okay, because I was curious about this with uh, 
our, our with Sogard actually, because I was kind of, you know, his family's out in California. And I'm just like, there's no way you took a car from Worcester all the way across the country to, uh, to there's, California. There's people but, that do it. I know. And I, I was going to ask you, I'm like, I don't know if you had your car out there, but I'm like, how long did that take you? Because it probably would probably take you around four days, I would assume. I would, I would think so. I, I think actually, I think Rio Gomez might've done it if I'm not mistaken, but he also could have shipped his car. I, I don't remember. Right. Okay. I was curious, man. Cause it's, it seemed like uh, if you guys wanted your car back to wherever you are, I'm just like, Holy cow. Like I can't even imagine, but um, I got a sort of baseball related question um, I, I, next year. And unless Ed, you had a, maybe a one-off or two. Oh, I'm good for right now. You keep going. You're you're, okay. you're you're feeling the flow right now. Yeah, I just I I I don't know. I was curious about something. I uh, was kind of looking at the returning roster for for the Blue Sox, just who was on the roster last year, and uh, you're the only catcher that's coming back um, into 2024. Um, I guess like what where's your mindset at like with that is so you know you possibly could have a starting spot like uh, i mean you're obviously going to have some playing time but i guess uh what do you i guess what's on the uh the mindset as you go into 24 being like okay i might be the guy yeah i think i think that there's a lot of question marks uh, and and you know i think that that also extends beyond um the catching role as well you know i i think that there's a lot of a lot of people that are curious of, of how what direction you know, the, the organization is going to go with new leadership. So, you know, I'm excited. Um, I think that we're all excited to see, to see how it's going to play out. Um, in turn, in terms of the catching role, you know, the, the thing that I can control is my, is my work over this off season and, you know, doing my best to, to be prepared to, to start and be prepared to be in a situation where I'm catching, you know, throughout the week. Um, I think that's my goal and, and that I want, that I want that. And, and my job is to be as best prepared as possible. What, uh, what, what do you like to do outside of baseball? Um, I know that uh, Nick Sogar told us that you're uh, something of a, of a crossword puzzle guy. Uh, are you, are you generally into that, that kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. I do love crossword puzzles. Um, we, we got big into them this year in the locker room. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a group of us doing them, doing them just about every single day in the locker room. Um, I, I've continued that maybe not quite as religiously, um, but, you know, still, still love to get on Washington Post and, and try to knock those out. Um, you know, really anything outdoors, uh, I, I enjoy. Um, being in Southern California, I love hiking, um, going to the beach. Uh, when I go back home, you know, I, I try to get out and do a little deer or duck hunting when I can. Um, and then lots of golfing, you know, golfing, golfing here, golfing, uh, up in, up in Tahoe and then golfing at home. And I, I speaking of the locker room, um, why did you never get in on the uh, ping pong action? You know, uh, I think it would have taken me a little, little too long to get to the level that those guys were playing at. Uh, it had been, it's been quite a while since I, since I played any ping pong, and you know, I, I sat around and watched them for about a week or so, and, and made my decision that I wasn't, I wasn't going to step in. Can I ask who, in your mind, is the biggest psychopath on the table in the locker room? On the ping pong table? Yes. 
Um, probably Ryan Fitzgerald. Wow. Uh, I was expecting AJ Politi. Well, yeah, Politi <laughs> gets pretty competitive. Um, he, he got pretty competitive. Um, but, you know, I, I watched – I watched Fitzy do some damage on the on the ping pong table. So, who's the most competitive guy on the baseball field that you play with? Great question. Uh, uh, it's a really tough question, to be honest. Um, Seems like there I are think, a lot of competitive guys there. I I I find it hard to gauge because you know, uh, being a catcher, you spend a lot of time with pitchers, and you know, and a lot of the vibe with pitchers when they're in the dugout is is they're trying to keep loose because, you know, the they're so incredibly focused when they're out on the mound, and when it's not their turn to pitch, you know, they're they're trying to decompress a little bit. But that that's not to say that they're not competitive because they're they're still watching the game and and they're trying to learn from it, but. You know, when when their time comes around, they're just as competitive as anybody else on the field. Um, overall competitiveness, you know, in, in terms of baseball and ping pong and and just about any any sport that you could think of would be Christian Koss. Probably the the guy is a pretty incredible athlete, and you know, loves loves to get competitive on the golf course and even if it's just like hacky sack around the locker room or ping pong. You know, he, he's pretty. Pretty intense. Yeah. Speaking of the uh, just working with pitchers, there's a guy that you got to work with quite a bit at both levels, and that's uh, Luis Guerrero, who mm. has, you know, 100 mile an hour heat. He has that splitter that seems like it's a cheat code. Is Does he have the best stuff in the system right now, or at least at AAA? Does he have. Just if there was one guy that you did not want to go up against, batting against him, would that be Guerrero? I'm not sure. Um, you know, Luis's stuff is special. Um, and, you know, you, you see the way that he works every day and, and, and the work that he puts in. And, and you know, it, it, his stuff is truly special. Um, in terms of an at-bat against, you know, I, I, I don't know. That – there, there's so many good pitchers in our, in our organization that, you know, would probably be a nightmare for me to face, um, especially, <laughs> especially them, them, them knowing me and, 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 you know, what, what I'm doing up there. Uh, they, they might have a little, little more to say. Well, what, what type of pitcher do you like hitting against and like, not don't, don't name names, but if there's just a type of pitcher that, you know, you can do damage against. I, I feel like it changes throughout the year, you know? Um, so um, I, I'm not sure that there's exactly one specific guy in my mind or one specific type in my mind, but. And so I, I wanted to ask you something and I uh, remember standing in the locker room one day and Caleb Hamilton was walking by and I think it may have been the day after I think there may have been some call-ups and Ryan Fernandez got called up. And I think Caleb caught a bullpen of him for the first time. And he came back and he was kind of like doing this with his hand or something. And I'm like, what, what's wrong? And he's just like, that guy throws hard. Like he, he yeah. throws <laughs> hard. He's like, that's not what I'm used to like around here. So was there any moments for you like that where you're just like, holy cow, this guy is like, this guy's bringing it today. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, especially with, with guys like Luis or, you know, Ryan, you know, the, they're Ryan, especially, you know, he throws everything hard. I mean, I, I, I don't know exactly what he topped out with on his slider this year, but I would guess it was probably 92, 93 with his slider. Um, you know, and it, and it probably gets tagged as a cutter, but, um, at least on the pitch com, you know, we're, we're pressing slider. So, um, but yeah, you know, and, and especially with, uh, you know, starting, starting in double a, and I really felt like I, I had a pretty good understanding and, and I'd caught most of those guys on that staff before, and then to come up to, to triple a and, and really, you know, just do my best to get the express lane version of, of what every, what every pitcher's got and, you know, what they like to throw. And, you know, that that's where Caleb and, and Oso really, really came clutch for me, you know, given occasionally it was in between innings, just, you know, Hey man, what's, what's this guy throwing? What's he like? And they're telling me as I'm running out and, you know, you're, you're doing your best to make the pitcher as comfortable as they can be out on the mound and, and trying to, trying to feel like you, you have chemistry with them when, you know, this occasionally it was the first time I saw him touch a baseball. Uh, I saw that uh, Ronaldo Hernandez Oso got, um, he declared free agency. So there's a chance he's not going to be with the club next year. What did he mean to you uh, just going through the organization with him? And what does he bring to a clubhouse for any teams that might be uh, considering picking him up? Yeah. I mean, I, I had uh, quite a bit of a, quite a, quite a bit of, you know, FaceTime experience with with Oso in terms of that uh, going back to instructs in, in 2020, uh, you know, you see him around and, you know, he, he's a big guy. He, he can be a little bit intimidating. And, you know, obviously his nickname is Oso, the bear. Um, but, you know, getting to know him, he, he's he's incredible. You know, he, he was a great teammate to have and, you know, really welcome welcome me in as a as another catcher and, you know, just just such a great teammate and fun and exciting to be around and you know special player some of the home runs that he hits are just impressive and you know a professional at bat always it seems like he got better at taking pitches this year just when you look at the the walk rate it went up quite a bit and he's got su- he's got such a strong arm too you really gotta gotta think that there's that there's a major league opportunity waiting for him somewhere yeah you know and, and that's that's probably my number one hope for him is that if it, if it's not with the Red Sox, that, it, uh, that it's somewhere else. And, you know, we all, I think everyone in that locker room wants to see that guy succeed. Yeah. Oso was one of the nicest guys in the clubhouse. Always had a smile on his face. Always. Uh, I don't know. He just always seemed like he was in a good mood. So I, uh, it was always fun to be around, but you've given us 42 yeah. minutes of your time. So definitely appreciate that. Um, I have one last question and it is not, I am not asking you anything about Vandy football this year. I'm going to refrain. Um, All right. Big, big XL there. I thought you were going to ask me about the Missouri game. So <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's expected, right? Like it's, it wasn't like an upset or anything. So I'm not, it's not, not that big of a deal, right? We got to beat the teams at the bottom, you know? So to get that one in. I, that stadium, by the way, though, I don't know what's going on there. I know they're in the middle of doing the construction, but like, holy cow, they planned that a little poorly. Um, 
So, and it was filled with Auburn fans this past week. I did see that. Um, it's, I don't think that's ever going to happen again. It shouldn't at an SEC school, but I'll show you some love because yeah. baseball is obviously at the top. Yeah. You know, hopefully, hopefully once the renovations are done, we're, uh, we're going to, we're going to start, start swaying the, the fans a little, a little bit and we'll, we'll get some sellout crowds and, you know, we'll, we'll work our way up, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully Vanderbilt football can, can start stepping in the right direction. I was going to say, man, it's Nashville. Like I know Vandy's been getting a lot of crap for the football, obviously not being great, but Nashville is easily a top two, three, maybe SEC town. I, I mean, Athens is up there and a few, and obviously, uh, uh, I don't know. Actually, never mind. They're probably top two. Um, all right. So my last question here, um, I will, I kind of been asking this to a few guys, but I wanted to see, are you uh, a goals guy at all? The goal in, in what way? So like, so obviously you're going into this off season and before you get to the spring training and do you have any goals in mind that you want to hit before you get to the show up at spring training in February? You know, um, I think that, I think that there are, uh, I call them tangible goals uh, of, you know, like we, I want we want to hit so many home runs this year. We want to hit, uh, you know, X batting percentage or whatever, but you know, I, in terms of spring training, you know, I, I just want to feel as prepared as possible. I want to feel like I, I did everything in my power to get better this off season and, and prepare myself to be in a position where I can roll straight into spring training and, and perform. Well, Ed, if you don't have anything else, we're... Uh... I got one last thing that I meant to ask earlier. And yep. I'm never sure with, like, the North Carolina, South Carolina, that area. Favorite team growing up, favorite player, and was there a player that you try to base your game off of now? So it's kind of a three-parter there, but they're quick answers. Yeah, um, I will answer that not quickly. In the sense that uh, the way that I always love to answer that question is my favorite team is the Carolina Panthers. My favorite player was Luke Keekley, and that was always who I tried to base my game off of. So um, you're a football so player who just Ed, happens I would, to be good at baseball. And I would uh, tell you to be a little more specific the next time um, <laughs> if you're looking for a baseball answer to, to ask what, what baseball team. Um but yes, uh, you know, growing up, I, I loved watching football. Um, it's something that I shared with my dad. Um, it's, I, I played football my whole life um, until college. You know, really, really loved it. Um, obviously, baseball was was what uh, called me. And so, you know, I, I love to answer that question uh, with the Carolina Panthers, Luke Keekley, And Luke Keekley is who I try to base my game off of. Well, I will follow that up very quickly. Then, were you a, so? So, were you a linebacker then? Like, what? Uh, what did you play when you were a football player? Gotcha. That's. I was. I was a linebacker. I played a little bit of fullback, and I did a little bit of kicking in my in my time as well. My dad was uh, also kicked, and so he taught me. Did you enjoy playing fullback? Just being able to just create a hole, or just uh, an impact block, or anything. Loved it. Loved it. Um, my my high school ran the spread offense. So it wasn't too often that I got to go in there for that. So, you know, any chance that I had, I, I was, I was more than happy to go. 
Let me tell you what, my high school ran a triple option. You would have thrived there, all right? Like, you would have loved that. So, um, all right, man. Well, we we appreciate the time. You've given us so much of your time uh, this evening. So uh, I definitely want to say thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll, we'll be seeing you, I guess, in uh, towards spring training and hopefully in, in Worcester, obviously, to start the year. So thank you so much for coming on. Best of luck. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Andrew. And thank you so much, Ed. I appreciate it. And Happy holidays to y'all as well.